0: And the story begins. So, hey, Judy, perfect timing. (laughs) We just started. We have a paper for you, also. Okay. So, second, we're on second half of chapter one, page thirty-six. Last week, we started explaining the importance of knowing ourselves. Who are we? How do we view ourselves? How we view ourselves is of crucial importance to our joy. We said that the word which means thought, and the word sorry, the word thought, and the word joy, share the same letters, because our joy is dependent on our self-conception. And we need to understand how to view ourselves. We view ourselves as a tzaddik. We're going to become too arrogant. If we view ourselves as a rasha, as a so-called wicked person, we're going to look, we're going to be um, depressed if you will, we have to find the middle ground. We have to define these terms, what is a tzaddik, righteous person, and again, I'm, we're going to try to, I'm going to try to wean us off these translations, wean us off the, the word righteous and the word wicked, and just try to stick to the words tzaddik in Russia, because the translations, as we'll discover in Tanya, really do not do justice. There was a paradigm shift that we made last week. The definition of how we view ourselves is not dependent on what we do, but it's dependent on who we are. A tzaddik doesn't just mean mostly good. A rasha, so-called wicked person, doesn't just mean mostly bad. The question is, what is our internal judge? What is our moral compass? The Talmud says a tzaddik is judged by his good impulses, sorry, advised by his impulses, Motivated by his impulses. A rasha, wicked person is motivated and acts on his negative impulses. The Benini has both impulses, but he makes the right decision. He makes the right decision and follows the good side. The indication to know if you're a tzaddik, we said, just follow your heart. (coughs) And if all you do is good, you're probably a tzaddik. (laughs) Now we come and introduce the two souls to understand what a tzaddik is in, in greater depth, right? what these internal advisors are that we have on both sides of us. We have to really understand ourselves in great depth. And Tanya makes a big, its um, the word I'm using? Chidush. How do you translate chidush? A big nuance. A, a big nuance. There's a big nuance in Tanya here. We each have two souls within us, not just one soul. And as, we're, as we'll see, how the Tanya unfolds, that is so relieving for so many reasons. Let's let's go back to the story of Yaakov, Sorry, of of our patriarchs and matriarchs, Isaac and Rivka, Yitzchak and Rivka. Yitzchak and Rivka get married she has a difficult time conceiving twenty years they're married before they have children. after beseeching god she finally conceives she finally becomes pregnant and has the worst pregnancy ever very uncomfortable very painful pregnancy you know what they say there was a lady she was in labor and she says now i know what my husband's man cold feels like (laughs) My husband's what? Yeah. She said, now I know what my husband's man-cold feels like. A uh, oh, man-cold. <laughs> man-cold. When a you man know, gets a cold, it's like the world is in, you know. The babies. <laughs> she says, now I know what my husband's man-cold feels like. She's in labor. So, so Rivka is, is pregnant, and she's having a very uncomfortable pregnancy. Her pregnancy was not just physically uncomfortable, it was emotionally painful. Because she would walk by a house of prayer, a synagogue, house of God. And she'd feel kicking. This baby wants to come out. And then the Talmud says she'd walk by a house of idolatry. She'd feel kicking. This baby wants to come out. And she was so pained that her baby doesn't know who he is or who she is. This baby is just confused. So she goes to inquire. with that. Uh, she goes to the yeshiva of shame, who was the child of Noah. He ran a yeshiva, the Talmud says. And she inquired what's going on. And through prayer. Uh, prophetic vision he informed her that she doesn't just have one baby that's confused she has two babies, twins that are very confident and the baby that's trying to get out at the house of prayer is the Yaakov Jacob, the baby that's trying to get out at the house of idolatry is the Asav, The twin, the twins she was relieved, why was she relieved? because her kids know who they are <laughs> It's not just a confused identity. It's two different identities. Very often we're pulled in two different directions and we feel hypocritical. We feel inadequate. We feel, we just feel wrong about ourselves. And that's okay, we're, we're wired this way and we have two parts of ourselves. For years, many years, <laughs> before Tanya, we have BT and AT. this This is important. Before Tanya and after Tanya. What did Tanya introduce? What perspective did it introduce? For many years, for thousands of years, Judaism, Jews, have been battling with an evil inclination and a good inclination. As we say in Hebrew, the yetzer tov, the positive inclination, the yetzer hara, the bad inclination. Comes the Tanya. And he says, no, it's not just two souls. This is on page 37. It's not just two inclinations. It's actually two souls. He says that every person in Israel, both Tzadik and Rasha, possess two souls. And he brings it from a verse on the bottom of page 37, the verse that he uses to prove that. God says souls, which I have made. Souls in the plural. And Kabbalistic teachings take that to mean... That it's not just talking about people in general that have souls, it's talking about every single person who has two souls. So Tanya is asserting that we don't just have two inclinations, we have two souls, and there's a difference between the two. What's the difference between a soul and an inclination? Or let's take a step back to understand the real chidush, the real nuance, the perspective shift that Tanya is providing with us. What is a soul? Any thoughts? question each soul has their own inclinations? Um, okay, we'll get there. Each soul has its temperaments. We'll get there. Good question. Hold on to that thought. But, but before we discuss the temperaments of the soul, what is a soul? A piece of God. Okay, a soul is a piece of God. So we're, we're going to discuss two souls. The second soul is a piece of God, which we'll get to. The spiritual, your spiritual part. Your spiritual identity, if you will? Yeah. Okay, any other thoughts? What's a soul? It's who you are. Who you are? Okay. Your essence. your essence. Okay. Yeah. So, in Tanya, before I learned Tanya, the truth is probably till recently, I used to use the word soul, not realizing that I didn't really know what it meant. <laughs> and it, I, didn't, I realized that Tanya actually has a concrete definition of what soul is, at least in our context. Soul can mean different things in different contexts throughout Jewish literature, and throughout Hasidic literature itself. But within the context of Tanya, what's a soul? So we're gonna jump to chapter three, which is on page 57, and he defines it for us. Um, It's the third paragraph on page 57. The bold says, similarly, the human soul is divided in two. Intellect and emotions. A soul means my intellect and emotions, the way I think and feel, the way I cognitively and emotionally process and relate to the world, is relate to people. Is it also your head and your heart? You're, Some people yeah. see it as that. spiritual. So, well, I mean, your, your mind is spiritual. I mean, you have a physical brain, but your intellect is, is spiritual. It's not something you can touch or feel. It's only something you can... It, it's not a physical sense, it's a, It's not a sensory, um, in the same way like, like your palate would be, which is physical. Um, a soul means the way I think and feel, my personality, in other words. So when we say everybody has two souls, everybody has two personalities, two ways of thinking, two ways of processing, two ways of connecting emotionally. And these two souls are constantly battling. Now, I'm going to, we're going to keep you on suspense. You, you mentioned that a soul is a piece of God. 100% correct. We're going to get to that next week. Next week, we'll discuss the second soul. Today's focus, though, is the first soul. But before we get into the first soul, it's important to understand why it's important that we, to know that we have two souls. We're An- all bipolar, you're saying. Yes. Yes, we all have personality disorders. <laughs> we all have 100%. <laughs> yes. We, we all do to a degree. Now, there's normal and there's unnormal. That's, that's, where, that's where psychology comes in. And We all have not just two inclinations, we have two souls. What's the difference between a soul and an inclination? A soul is how I think and feel. An inclination is just a pull. I don't, it's more like my behavior. I'm not just inclined to negativity or positivity, it's the way I see life. The internal, the battle that I'm dealing with in discovering who I am is not just a question of how I'm going to behave, like we said last week, it's a question of who I am, because an inclination is behavior. Is my evil inclination pulling me to behave this way, pulling me to behave that way, but it's something external. The soul is internal. It's my worldview. And which worldview am I going to subscribe to? Which worldview do I have? We'll give a little spoiler alert. The second soul, referred to as the godly soul, the soul which is, so my godly worldview, my divine worldview, so the perfect analogy for the two souls, we said Yaakov and Esau, Jacob and, how do you say Esau in English? Esau. A- Esau, okay. I feel like the English is harder to pronounce sometimes, but <laughs> there's, I know there's Job, there's Eslastus, there's, I don't know if I can't. <laughs> if, if I had to remember all the, all the books of the Bible, Ecclesiastics, there we go. If I had to remember all the, the books of the Bible in English, I'd probably fail. <laughs> so the, the perfect analogy for the two souls, he doesn't say it here, by the way. We're not going to mention it until later. But he actually gives definitions for these souls. The first soul is called the animal soul. It's not a soul that an animal has. It's a human soul that has animalistic tendencies, just like Asav. This was our last JLI course, too. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah, a lot of we'll see a lot of overlapping concepts because JLI that course was primarily based on these texts. Right. That was the Asav. Asav was animalistic. He wasn't an animal, he was a human, but he behaved like an animal, in the sense that it was all about him. Yaakov was more humanistic, godly, and in a verse, two verses, which encapsulates the difference between Yaakov and Asaph, and will help us understand the difference between the two souls. Let's take a look at our sheets here, text three and text four. On our sheets. It's a little, going a little out of order here. Mm-hmm. Text three, text four. So text three. From Genesis. Asav says to Yaakov, and I have much. And a few verses later, text four, Yaakov says to Asav, and I have everything. What's the difference between having much and having everything? If you have much, you can, use, you can you get more. You can get more. more. You can get more. Thing, else to have. Exactly. In other words, Asav was greedy, if you will, never satisfied, had a, an anxious edge to him. I need more, I need more, I need more. Yaakov was content. The godly soul is not looking for things. I don't know, if you think it, that the person says, I know everything in one I have more to learn. I mean, okay, good, you know, that's I mean, true. That too, so. so it's a good point, very valid point. It, it says in Pirkei Avot, in, et, in the Ethics of Our Fathers from the Mishnah, it says, who's a wealthy person? Right? Somebody who's, who's happy with what he has. But that doesn't mean spiritually we should be happy with what we have. It's talking about materially. Materially we have to be happy with what we have. Spiritually we have to be envious. We have to be envious of other people. We, we can't be jealous of their material things, but we could be envious of their of, of qualities. Somebody actually once wrote the, the, a letter to the Rebbe, or I don't know what he wrote to the Rebbe, but the Rebbe responded to some sort of issue of jealousy that he was experiencing. He was experiencing jealousy. And the Rebbe's response was that jealousy itself is not necessarily bad. How it's manifesting within you, it's bad. Because you're jealous of what other people have. But you can redirect that jealousy and make it envy. And the way I differentiate it between jealousy and envy is the difference between Wanting what other have, what other people have, and trying to aspire to be like their, uh, to to develop their good qualities, and the Rebbe said, take your jealousy and redirect it toward envy. Don't just get rid of the jealousy, just just redirect it. But on a material level, jealousy is not a good thing, right? I have much, I I, I want more, right? And you guys hit the nail on the head. This is actually so. We're gonna skip text five. Text five is 14th century commentary on the Torah, the Kliyakar. And that's exactly what he says. He points out that distinction. Esau says, I have much. Yaakov says, I have everything. Esau was... What's the word? Humble. Esau was materialistic, was, was materialist. oh. always wanting more. Yaakov oh. was humble. And that's the that's the difference between our two souls. That's the battle we're facing. It's not just a battle whether I'm... Go, it's not just a inner um, conflict. Am I going to do good? Am I going to do bad? Who am I? My person that's always looking for self-gratification? The answer is yes, we are, because we all have this animal soul. Am I a person that's looking for purpose? Perhaps for meaning? And the answer is yes. But which part of me am I in touch with at any given moment? Right? On Yom Kippur, by (laughs) Nailah, when we're all inspired, it's very likely we're in touch with our divine soul, with our godly soul, with the Yaakov, with the Jacob. But our default is the animal soul. Our default is the Asaph. That's no reason to beat ourselves up. That's the way God made us and that's beautiful. But we're going to learn how to work with it. And we're going to learn how to, to some degree, get past it. But it's okay to be a Yaakov and say, I have everything, but yet, materialistically, you it's not jealousy, but you aspire Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. That yeah. somebody inspires you. Yeah, to no, to to aspire towards towards positive qualities is a beautiful thing. To be jealous of somebody's materialistic status, mm-hmm. that's more of a animal soul, ace of quality. Right. Definitely. Okay. Page thirty eight, we're gonna learn a new term. This term is going to be thrown around a lot in the Tanya. And it's it's very important to, to to know this question. Quick question. Yes, all this Hebrew, it's taken from... This is the actual text. That's, that's the original text this of the is Tanya. The of the yeah tanya. Okay. So the Hebrew on the bottom is also the text. And there's just the linear translation. Okay, it's so, not from the Torah. It's his comments. Y- yeah, correct. The bold is, is the literal translation. And the, the non-bold typeset is the translator's... Trying to make it clear, oh, yeah. but but if you want the Hebrew, yeah, the top is the Hebrew, and that's that's the original. And when you say Alter Rebbe, what does Alter? So Alter Alter, alter is Yiddish alter for old. old. In Hebrew, oh, they would call him Admar Hazaken. No, more, okay. So so, alter, so in Yiddish they say Alter Yiddish, Rebbe, yeah. Yiddish, alter, yeah. Imresh. Alter. <laughs> <laughs> alter. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, Alter. Yeah. 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 Do you? We no, I know some dirty words. Alter Kaka. Alter Kaker. Yeah. So he was, he was known as the Alter Rebbe, which means the late Rebbe, the later, the elder Rebbe. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no problem. So on page 38, he's, we're discussing this first soul. And bear in mind the second soul, the divine soul. I spilled the beans, but we don't actually know about it yet, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's only in chapter 2. Which is a whole question why it came second, if it's more important soul. But we'll get, into, we'll get there next week. It's a fascinating discussion. fourth paragraph from the top, or the second bold paragraph from the top of 38. This first soul stems from what is called klipa. Who's familiar with klipa? This is a term which we're going to explain now, but it's a term that we're just not going to translate for the future because we have to just know what it means. It's going to make it easier. What's a klipa? A peel, right? Klipa. It's a peel, a shell. Mm -hmm. Spiritually, there's a spiritual force which Kabbalah refers to as klipa, a shell. What does a shell do? What does a peel do? It's just the outer layer, right? In other words, it distorts our vision. So I'm holding an orange. I should have brought an orange. I meant to and I didn't. Anybody have an orange on them? No, check your purse. No. So I'm holding an orange. And I say, I'm doing show and tell, right? What is this? Did You guys all going to say it? it's an orange, right? But it's wrong. You don't or sorry. Let me let me take a step back. What do you see? I'm holding the orange. What do you see? An orange. An orange. An orange, but it's wrong. You don't see an orange. You see an orange peel. Mm -hmm. But you're so used to that peel that you're you think it's part of the orange. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. We're so used to our perception of reality, we think that's reality, but we're just seeing the peel. We're not seeing the inner fruit. There's more to existence, there's more to life, there's more to everything than what our eyes tell us. This is true within the world at large. There's more to, to what, the existence behind the world. It's really God's divine force. There's more to, there's more to our relationships with people. There's more than what we see. Right? The whole study of psychology is trying to figure out what we don't see, right? not just what we can't. There's more um, in everything, in everything in life, there's more th- than what we see. It's very easy to get stuck in what we see and to get distracted by what we see and to take that for granted, to take that as the reality. That's what klipa is. If you want the fruit, if you want the actual orange, you have to peel back the peel, right? If we want the real truth, what reality is, we have to peel back some layers. Well, when you say that, I mean... The peel is an integral part of the orange because the peel protects the orange. So to say that they're separate doesn't make, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay, good question. Good question. So the truth is, we have to peel, we have to look past the peel, but we can't throw out the peel. At some point we have to realize that that peel is there not to hide the orange, but to protect it. Kalipa has a very functional purpose, just like the body and soul. Sometimes we need to look past the body so we could connect to the soul. But the goal is not to get rid of the body, to neglect the body. Ultimately, the soul should express itself within the body. It's a very good point. Klippa is a necessaryness, and it can be elevated. And we're going, to get, we're going to talk about that more later on in Tanya. We're going to talk about that in chapter 7 and 8, how klippa can be elevated. We'll get to there in chapter 6 and 7. But there are some peels that you eat that it, you don't peel, it's like an apple, like or an apple, grape, right. or, yeah. so it's all in one. So, so j- just to a, fruit uh, <laughs> a fruit analogy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's what's kosher for Passover and what isn't. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a look at text one here. Text one in on our sheets, I think it will, per, it will kind of put things into perspective as to, as to what Klippa does, how Klippa distorts our vision. From the celestial world's perspective, in English, if you were to take a trip to heaven, if you were to look from God's eyes, godly reality is taken for granted while the notion of independent existence is novel. The fact that there's something other than God, really? There's a world where they can even deny God's existence? How could that be? Because just God is taken for granted. That's the truth. That's the reality. But from our world's perspective, from the celestial world's perspective, which is a clip perspective, the notion of independent existence is taken for granted, and the fact that there's a God is novel. So Rabbi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev, anyone heard of him? Yes. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev was a contemporary of the author of the Tanya, of the al They were good friends. Not only were they good friends, they became family. Their grandchildren married one another. And he used to say, he, he would read the Tanya, read the Tanya for the first time and he says, how does such a big God fit in such a small book? (laughs) (laughs) And he says that, God, you didn't make this um, world an even playing field. This isn't fair. If you would have put yourself, purpose, meaning, godly reality, all this stuff right in front of our eyes, and lust... Self-gratification, jealousy, and all these other negative temperaments and traits. we in a book that we read about. You know, things would be easier. <laughs> but he says, you did it the other way around. I'm reading about God. <laughs> and lust and jealousy and all the negative things are right here. <laughs> he says, it's not fair. It's not fair, but it's part of our mission. But that's what klipa does. Klipa distorts our reality. And we take our reality as we see it subjectively. From the animal soul's perspective for granted. This is where the animal soul comes from. It comes from Klippa. That's the worldview it has. The worldview that the animal has is, it goes by what it sees. It's like Asaf. I want instant gratification. I'm happy with what I see right now. There's nothing deeper. Right? What did Asaph do? He sold his birthright for some beans. right? For some, for, for some soup. For some cholent. He sold his entire birthright for some cholent. Because there's instant gratification now. Yaakov, the divine soul, has a purpose. It's not focused on the instant gratification. Now, that's... These are our inner driving forces that we're we're dealing with. Okay. Comments, questions? Controversy? None. Okay. Now, this animal soul... Let's discuss its temperaments. It has four temperaments, or four general temperaments. Everybody has their own personality, and it's some sort of blend of these temperaments. Let's begin. So, those of you who have read the chapter, he discussed the four elements. The four negative temperaments come from the four elements. What are these four mystical elements? Let's take a look in text two. Fire, water, air, earth, right? What are these? So Maimonides says, this is in text two on our sheets here. Maimonides says, and I, I tried bringing an earlier source. Maimonides collected this from different areas in the Talmud and the Medrash. I tried bringing those sources and I decided to bring the Rambam. Maimonides just because it's written more clearly, but it would have been more interesting to show how much, how far back this goes. Maimonides is about 900 years old, but to show it in the Talmud or even in the Medrash, which... Could be 1,500, 2,000 years old. It gives it more, uh, uh, puts more perspective on it. But, anyways, he says these four elements, these four elements, namely fire, air, water, earth, are the elements of all creatures beneath the, expan- the expanse. Everything that exists is some sort of combination, maybe on a spiritual level, of these four elements. All that be, anything that exists, whether man, beast, fowl, creeping thing, fish, vegetation, minerals, precious stones, pearls, structural stones, mountains, and glaciers. The body of each of every one is the joint issue of these four elements. Everything in existence is comprised of some sort of balance between fire, air, water, earth. The animal soul also is comprised of these four levels, of these four elements, if you will. And they develop or express themselves into four different temperaments what are the four temperaments of the animal soul so the fire of the animal soul so we say on page 40 mm-hmm. the fire would be what Where? right it would, would, would be um, oh, no. Ar- no. No. Hmm? Anger. anger. anger yeah anger anger. would be anger and arrogance anger is when a person's angry they're heated up Right in Hebrew we say the, the the language that the Torah uses is haron af. Right when it says God is angry, it says haron af, which means flaring nostrils. Right there's heat. The heat comes out, heat up. That's anger. That's fire. Fire also rises. That's the ego. That's arrogance. Then there is water. What does water represent? Pleasure and gratification. Right lust, because. The source of all lust is water, somehow. Well, I just see fluidity and just, I don't know. I don't see water as lust. You water. I mean, you, no. Lust is a necessary, lust is necessary. It has to be redirected. So all, the, all these, so again, the, so the goal is not to put out the fire. Because the, the divine soul also has these four elements. It won't be anger, it would be passion. It wouldn't be lust; it would be intellect, as we'll discuss in chapter three. So definitely, the point isn't to put out the fire; the point is to redirect it, or to manage it, or, or manage it at least to at least manage it, or at, at best to redirect it. Water represents lust because all pleasures ultimately come from water, according to Kabbalah. Then there is wind or air. What's air? Silliness so and mockery. Okay. Right. So when we're sitting around talking about people, right, lashon hara, as we say in Hebrew, right? idle chatter, idle talk, or negative talk about people, mocking gossip, that that's air. It's emptiness. Boastfulness is also air. There's a difference between boastfulness and arrogance. Arrogance is, I don't, arrogant. the ego is. I don't have anything to be arrogant about. I'm just. I have this big front, but there's nothing to really back it up. It's like those Hollywood um, movie sets, right? Boastfulness means I'm bragging about something that I have, but it's still inappropriate. What? Empty empty talk. Empty talk. So boasting, though, is not empty, but it's still inappropriate. Then finally, there's earth. What's earth? Dirt. Melancholy. Laziness and depression. Yep. Laziness, sadness, emotions that are holding us and weighing us down. So these are the four temperaments, the four general temperaments that the animal soul has, and everybody is going to have a different balance of these. So some people will be more angry, some people will be more lethargic and lazy, some people, we all have our own levels. levels. Now he says that the animal soul doesn't just have these negative traits, it also has positive traits. In other words, we can do something good and it's still the animal soul. Just because we do something good doesn't mean it's godly. Um, in order for it to be godly, it would have to be totally selfless. It'd have to be something that God wants. But we could do something good. But it's still centered around me. And by the way, not a bad thing. If the whole world was that good, <laughs> no complaints, right? <laughs> but I see a homeless guy why am I giving him the money? Why am I going to give him the dollar? I feel bad for him. I don't want to be homeless. I don't want to be hungry. So why am I giving him the money? Is it for him or is it for me? Both. It's both, right? But if it wasn't about me, I wouldn't have done it. it's a commandment. If I did it because of the commandment, then that would be the godly soul, which we'll discuss next week. But if I'm doing it out of my own pity, it's a beautiful thing, and do it, right? <laughs> I'm not here to stop people from being good. <laughs> Don't believe and say... So today's Tanya class, Josh said don't do good things because it's it's animal... No, that's not our point here. (laughs) The point is, though, just because we're doing good doesn't mean it's a reflection of our godly soul necessarily, at least not directly. But it's still good. It's still positive. The animal soul produces negative temperaments, but it produces positive activity as well. And it's so important because it's important to know that the animal soul is the, the, the goal, the ultimate goal of the animal soul is not to get rid of it, but it's to redirect it to the extent that we could. If we reflect back to the story of Yaakov and Asaph, who did Yitzchak, Isaac, want to give the blessings to? Asaph, Asaph why? He knew his kid was a... Was a uh, he knew his kid. He was the firstborn, but, but he knew that Yaakov would be more fitting for the position, but he knew Asaph was an evil person. Why would he want to give it to Asaph? He was trying to redirect the negative energy that Aesaf had, toward positivity. He was trying to rehabilitate him. The goal is not to get rid of the animal soul. Sometimes we need to suppress it, but the ultimate goal is to rehabilitate it. Now, we're not going to be tzaddikim necessarily, we're not going to be perfect, and we're never going to perfectly rehabilitate it, but there's areas in our lives where we could. And there's extents that we could and there's time frames in which we could we're never going to be totally perfect and we shouldn't expect be expected to as we'll discuss later in chapter 27 but the perp, the, the goal here is to redirect the animal soul not just that's a lot of it and the, the fact that he was blind how does it uh, like he didn't see the clip ah, the, that's a good question i don't know that's a good question yeah interesting I don't know I I should look into that but that's a very good point you know what when God forbid somebody's attacked by an animal ideally what we you would want to do number one get the animal to stop attacking you right? get away from that animal right we're fighting with our animal so we have these impulses toward lust towards jealousy towards whatever whatever our our, uh, our hearts are pulling us so step number one Stop it. <laughs> right, just stop it. Later, once you, we have a pulse on ourselves, once we gain self control, which we'll explore how to do that later, not today, we could focus on redirecting the animal soul. We could train the animal. The animal is trainable. All animals are trainable, at least our own animals. And ultimately, we can ride the animal. It's working with us, not against us. The animal soul starts off working against us. But it's supposed to work with us. Yitzchak tried to rehabilitate because it's supposed to work with us. We're supposed to ride the animal rather than fight with it. It's supposed to take us where we need to go, not, not just hinder us. So, number one, we need to stop it from hindering us. But, number two, ultimately, the goal is to redirect it, to train it. And we can train our animals. We, and we'll, we'll, throughout the Tanya, we're going to discuss this idea. And it will take us where we should be going. Sounds like parenting a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's yes. true. Just wait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear.
0: You're not oh God. there. Uh, I'm starting. You're the, uh, grace? A boy or yeah. a girl? A girl, yeah. Good luck.
1: Thank you. Yes.
0: <laughs> we had boys much easier. Yeah. But enough for teenage boys at the same time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes. Just used open up the door, throw some more meat in their room, and close <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of animal soul, isn't it? four <laughs> well, years, they become human. You know, some, sometimes sometimes we have to feed the animal soul as well. It, there, there's a mitzvah in the Torah, it's a biblical commandment. If you have a pet, if you own an animal, you have to feed the animal before you feed yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in, in one of the Al Rebus Hasidic discourses, he expounds on that verse and says, we have our animal within ourse- ourselves, and there's a mitzvah to feed the animal. Because if we're just feeding our soul and we're not feeding our animal, it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. Judaism has to be presented in a way that the animal soul appreciates it, not just the divine soul. If, if Judaism was meant to just talk to the divine soul, stay in heaven. <laughs> We do you need to be on Earth for? The whole point is that the, the 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 godly soul, the divine soul, trains the animal soul, inspires the animal soul, and ultimately they can they can work together. We have to feed our animal souls as well. It have to it has to come first sometimes. Well, I have a question. They say when somebody converts, the second soul is is, is breathed into them. Okay. So is that. The divine soul that's being breathed into the already existing animal soul? Yeah. So that means that people who are not Jewish do not have a godly soul? They have a different soul. It's not the Jewish soul. Okay. Very good question. If Tanya doesn't address it here. There's actually a third soul. Um, Tanya does not address this third soul for several reasons. Number one, Tanya is talking. Jewish people. There's ideas in it that can apply to the general public, but, again, these were a collection of letters based on his counsel, based on the altar of counseling people. He was counseling Jews, and that's who he was directing it to. But there is another soul that everybody has. It's not the Jewish soul, but it's a different version, and that's what he refers to. Including us? So yeah. Soul, we have three souls. Three souls. Which may, that's why Jews are so confusing, right? Two Jews, three opinions? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why Jesus. <laughs> but we don't discuss that soul. It's not talked about in Tanya. But we don't talk about it in general. There, so the reason why is because I mean you'll, you'll see later when we get so to Jesus chapter 10. T- dealing with two of them. <laughs> yeah, dealing with three is it, Tanya's talking to that third soul. In other words, you're battling with this animal soul, you're battling with this divine soul. But who's the you that's battling it? three faces of oh, beef I the <laughs> Who's the you That's the that's the third soul at the and everybody has this and that's that's what the Torah refers to as the divine image man is created in the divine image that's not just talking about Jews that's talking about everybody every human being is created in the divine image and that's this third soul Tanya's not addressing it because Tanya's talking to that soul so it doesn't have to really be mentioned he hints to it in several places and we're going to talk about it more in chapter 10 how he hints to it we'll do okay. that Okay, that's my story and I'm sticking to it.